Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. I'm very excited about today's guest. My guest is Chloe Brotheridge. She is a qualified hypnotherapist and nutritionist. She is also the author of The Anxiety Solution, which is a very practical and brilliant book which was published by Penguin earlier this year. And I've got to say, it was very helpful to me. I read it and I really needed it at a certain point this year where I was feeling pretty anxious and had no idea how to deal with those feelings that I hadn't really felt before. So um, I really wanted to get Chloe on the podcast to talk specifically about anxiety. Kind of the whole episode is going to be around that. And um, yeah, I mean, Chloe likes to help people with anxiety, confidence, public speaking, stress, sleep issues, lots of different things. And her hypnotherapy sessions help really make change to people's lives, their thoughts, their feelings, habits and behaviours. And she really aims to get the best results in the shortest amount of time when it comes to her sessions. So in this episode, we discuss how anxiety is seemingly on the rise our relationship with social media, how to deal with um, anxious feelings and how to treat others who suffer from anxiety and kind of be a better friend. And yeah, we talk about some practical advice that is in Chloe's book, The Anxiety Solution. So I hope you enjoy this episode and here it is. I'm really excited to be with Chloe Brotheridge. Hello. We're in an amazing room at the top of Penguin Random House kind of the best setting I think for this chat. It's beautiful, beautiful calming view of St Paul's and yeah. So I read Chloe's book a while back and actually it came to me at the best time ever. It was one of those things where it had had arrived. I was having a bit of a anxious, like I I was starting to be like oh this is what anxiety is because I'm feeling it and then I realised I had your book and I read it in one go and it was so helpful. But I love how um, we get to know about you in the book, it's not just you giving the practical bit which you do as well when did you decide that you needed to write this book yeah I actually I actually got approached by a book agent and I'd sort of had it in my mind that I wanted to do a book and I had all these kind of ideas that I'd been collecting over the years and it was yeah having someone approach me that kind of gave me the push to to do it and actually get it out there and I'm so glad that they contacted me. That's amazing because mm. you were doing thing, things in this space before then. Yeah so I've been I've been a hypnotherapist for five years and I um, I sort of decided to make my area anxiety about three or four years ago and it was because of my own kind of issues with anxiety and um, I know that people definitely appreciate the fact that they know that I've been there and experienced it and felt the way they do at some point and it, it helps me to recognize you know what it's actually like to to feel anxious yeah because in a weird way when I had my kind of phase where I was feeling really really anxious I felt like glad to know what it felt like in a way I know that sounds really weird but I was like I feel like I'm now able to empathize with everyone else I've got friends that have really bad anxiety I only had you know on the spectrum it's not as bad as that but I just felt like oh okay this is a this is a sliding scale and now I know maybe a few things that I can do to lessen it. It is it is a sliding scale definitely but I think at the same time there are lots of people that feel very isolated with anxiety because if you've never experienced what it's like to have a panic attack or not feel like you can stop worrying then it's quite hard to relate to that and people get kind of bad advice like oh just you know what have you got to worry about you know just don't panic it's fine sort of thing and it's not very very helpful yeah and that's not helpful at all I wanted to ask you about um how you 
maintain kind of a state where you are managing it because I think what I love about the book is you're basically saying it's going to happen you can't you're not going to change necessarily like it's going to be part of you and so the only way really is to kind of move forward with it it's almost like befriending it absolutely yeah yeah I think a big thing for me was firstly learning to talk about it and be open about it because I think there's a lot of shame that comes along with anxiety Mm -hmm. that sense that oh my gosh there's something wrong with me I'm bad why am I so useless why can't I deal with this and actually when you start being open about it and you know for me it was getting a therapist and actually having this person acknowledge that you know I wasn't completely useless it was the anxiety that was was causing Mm -hmm. the problems I was having Um, and talking to other people as well and just knowing you're not alone you're not broken this is a normal human experience to feel anxious and Mm -hmm. kind of getting rid of that shame and and opening up helps a lot and um, in terms of making friends with anxiety I think I think often and this is definitely the case for me and I say all the time with my clients they say to me I just don't want to feel I just want it gone I just want it to stop and that's completely understandable because no one wants to feel anxious but actually, if we, you know, our feelings are there for a reason. They're telling us something. So if you're feeling, you know, like really burned out or you're pushing yourself too hard or, you know, you're, you've got some pain from the past that you haven't resolved or sort of, sort of spoken to someone about, that anxiety is trying to tell you, actually, this needs to be, this needs to be listened to and you need to take some action or get some help or make a change in your lifestyle. Yeah, that was super helpful to to think that way because actually it is all part of a bigger picture because I when I was having that few months or whatever I was feeling really anxious it I read your book and I was like I need to have a look at what is actually behind all of this and I'd had loads of massive talks I had to do and then I basically to like treat myself after like getting all these big um, things done I went out on like a massive bender got really drunk was out all night no wonder I was feeling anxious really the next day and for a few weeks after because that was a lifestyle choice as well mm. and I started cutting back on caffeine started doing more exercise I started drinking less alcohol and I did feel way better you talk about alcohol in the book and exercise as well yeah how has that helped you I think it, and your it, clients? it does make a huge difference I mean I mean, alcohol will often use it to make us feel less anxious, and it works very effectively in the very short term. Especially in social situations. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And for years, I don't think I, you know, I was sober, obviously, during the week, but drunk every weekend, and kind of in any social situation, would have to have a drink um, to feel kind of normal and okay. And actually, that feeling of kind of waking up the next day, thinking, I've spent loads of money. What, what have did I, I said? Who yeah. did I snog? Like, um, you know, what's that headache feeling? Is it really a headache? Is it something more sinister? And, you know, facing Monday morning, that kind of Sunday night anxiety is so huge for people, kind of just dreading the week ahead. And you don't get Sunday night anxiety so much if you're not drinking on a Saturday night. And that's what I've definitely found. So, yeah, yeah completely. I, I, did, I did about a year and a half of not drinking. Kind of, I just wanted to kind of prove to myself that I could do it. And mm-hmm. I completely... I don't know, you have to kind of change your life quite what, a lot. What changes to... did you see kind of in the long term and just immediately? Like, were you sort of surprised at any big changes? Yeah, well, just feeling... I think the big thing was me, for me was learning to be confident in social situations without alcohol. Mm. And once you do that, it's quite a revelation. It's kind like, of... I'm really fun. <laughs> I'm still out at midnight. 
Yeah. Yeah, I went to I my friend's Hindu and I was dancing till like three AM and I was quite I was I was impressed with myself to be honest. The only proud. thing I find annoying and there's loads of reasons why it's like, Oh god, I'm the sober one but it's when like people start repeating themselves. Oh yeah. And it's like oh, <laughs> I'm gonna remember everything tomorrow, no one else is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it gets to maybe like three or four hours in to the night and people start to become really boring because they're saying yeah, And then I become things. really aware as well of people spilling things on me. Because <laughs> I think when you're like in some sort of dance floor environment, mm. you don't care really if someone spills a little bit of wine on you, but yeah. when you're sober you're like absolutely livid. <laughs> But yeah, exercise is is an interesting one as well. Like I followed Bryony Gordon, Mm -hmm. um, her kind of journey with OCD and and how she talks about that. And I I this has been the thing for me is I used to associate going to the gym with like looking good and being skinny Mm -hmm. when I was a teenager and um, went to an all girls school. It's very much like gotta be thin. And now um, I don't want to change my body, but I definitely want to exercise for my mind mm, it's a big mm, shift definitely yeah and I saw I think it was Lena Dunham sent a, a Instagram post a while ago it's not about the ass it's about the brain and that was like yeah. such and a, you quoted that in I book. quoted that yeah, yeah I just thought that's so true and if you can if you think about it in that way if you think I'm doing this to feel good this is play this is something for me rather than I'm gonna go to the gym and punish my body for eating chips last night or something it becomes so much easier because it's coming from a good place rather than a kind of negative place definitely and there's so much about I feel like you're really talking about now like the issues of now with uh, Instagram and, 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 and not that social media is bad like we were just talking before we started recording like how much we love it for making friends but there is um there is a link isn't there at, at points between anxiety and social media so there is a link between I don't think it's the, the kind of the root cause necessarily yeah. but there is a link between anxiety and depression and mm. use of social media and the fact that we're not really ever switching off we're kind of constantly kind of having demands on our attention it's overwhelming we don't really relax properly because there's one eye on Instagram, one eye on, you know, the TV or something. The so, news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you got your access to the news. My, my phone recently started, like, updating me with news stories. I didn't ask it to do uh-huh. that. And suddenly it's kind of flashing up with all these things and I just don't want to... I don't want to know, essentially, kind of several times a day, like what horrific things are happening. Yeah. My boyfriend's not... brother has this thing where it, like, be- breaking news, like, does that, like, da 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 da, the breaking news theme tune. Yeah. It's really yeah. scary. Yeah. Do you think, as well, there's a guilt with not being as engaged with stuff like that, for example? So I check the news maybe once or twice a day. During the day is really important for me to just not be interrupted or not, like, be distracted. But do you, I feel bad sometimes that I'm choosing like my own mental health over reading the news? Like it's kind of a privilege to switch off, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you have any views on kind of how you would suggest if someone's finding the news really overwhelming or just social media really overwhelming? Is there anything, any like practical tips that you've sort of done yourself? Yeah, I think I think you do need to be um, putting yourself first and your mental health first, and actually, you know, you can still be politically engaged or you can still care about people and you know do things for the causes that you care about without needing to several times a day be exposed to kind of images or and videos of all the things that are happening mm-hmm. and it doesn't make you a bad person it doesn't mean you care any less you probably care too much and 
you know, if you're taking care of yourself and feeling good and feeling calm, that's going to be good for the world around you as well, essentially, because you're going to be, you know, a positive influence rather than you kind of feeling really upset and anxious because you're watching the news. So I do things like turn off alerts, turn off notifications about the news, maybe just check in, you know, once or twice a day and, you know, make sure that I'm, you know, making a difference in, in ways that don't involve needing to kind of check up, yeah. up on the news, essentially. Yeah, yeah definitely. And with them. Um, with your anxiety in the past, was there any kind of triggers that you would avoid or would it catch you off guard? Yeah, so when I had, I had a panic attack when I was 15 and that was the first panic attack and that seemed to come out of nowhere. Although looking back now, I can see that I kind of, I kind of kept a lot of stuff in. I was quite kind of nervous and afraid and I was the oldest of three girls and felt I had to kind of be a good girl and not upset mum and dad and not rock the boat and I think it was almost like a kind of just all those feelings kind of bubbling up and exploding in a sense mm. and kind of coming to the surface so for there's me some really sweet things in the book about when you were younger I think we we obviously take on board stuff from our parents and if you've got quite sort of cautious parents my mum was quite cautious you kind of take that on board and like right we've got to do things properly you know don't break the rules you know be a good girl that sort of thing and um, it was kind of learning to start to sort of change some of those beliefs about actually maybe the world isn't such a dangerous place as yeah. I felt it was. But with that first panic attack um, was it hard to disassociate maybe that particular location you were in or something that like oh you know because with my friend Zoe she was saying she had a panic attack at Paddington Station Mm -hmm. and she she didn't go back there for years because she was like oh it's Paddington Station that did it type thing and so and I had a panic attack on the tube um, a while ago and it and I do just get really weird on tubes now Mm -hmm. do you think that's something that you sort of like need to de-associate almost? Yeah, so that which is easy that's a very done. common thing. It's a very common thing. Whenever you've got that really high level of adrenaline, your brain links the situation and the the sense of fear together. So um, it kind of can yeah attach those things together. So it becomes a trigger. And I don't know. I suppose if I was working with a client, I might I might ask them to imagine um, being in that situa- situation and being really relaxed and imagine what it would be like to be really calm mm. in. Paddington Station or something to try and kind of send that message to themselves that actually you can feel relaxed in that in that environment and kind of reprogram that trigger almost Um, but I think for me the trigger was it was more about my body I think I was like it was almost like I didn't feel safe in my body so if anything felt weird in my body that would be a trigger Ooh, my heart feels a bit funny you know that's going to make me panic or you know I've got a bit of a cold and I can't breathe properly that's going to be a trigger for me so I think it, yeah, I think it is different for everyone. Yeah. So kind of reprogramming things. Um, you talk about meditation in the book as well, and I feel like that's still a word that people are interested in, but they almost feel like, oh, maybe that's not for me. It's almost like um, you need like a gateway drug into meditation, almost. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what's the thing that makes it go totally mainstream, almost? Like, I think it is getting there. Yeah. What yeah. would you say to people maybe who are listening who? are like oh I think I should maybe try meditation but how do you think like an easy step into that world would be yeah I think there's that association of you need to be good at relaxing people say to me oh I can't meditate I can't I'm not very good at relaxing and it's not about being good at it it's about just saying to yourself right for 10 minutes I'm going to do this practice almost like doing a workout but for your brain 
and it doesn't matter if you're bad at it it's practice and it's just going through the process that gives you the benefit I think lots of us we have this thing of oh, if I'm not good at it I'm not going to try I'm going to give up or something and it's kind of understandable I think lots of us have that um, but what I would say to people is just if you can read up on it and learn about how much it actually changes your brain because it's not it's actually changing your brain physically you grow more gray matter at the front of your brain the two hemispheres start to communicate better with each other and it's like for me it was like magic it was I became just automatically happier calmer more optimistic just by spending you know a few minutes a day doing working out my brain basically that's amazing do you do you sit there and and clear your mind and like focus on your breathing or do you do like guided meditation or yeah so for me I do something called TM which um you they give you a mantra so a little sound so it could be any sound really and you say that sound in your mind and you kind of find yourself drifting deeper into your mind very automatically and you suddenly get to this place where you find that you're not really thinking and you just feel like you're completely you're just pure mind with no kind of thoughts or anything else you feel really good um but talking of gateway drugs i often think that yoga is the gateway drug to meditation because by doing yoga you kind of you get rid of the stress from your body and it allows you to get into meditation a lot more easily and i would say even like 10 minutes of yoga get a youtube video on the go or something just do it for 10 minutes before you try and meditate that's the really good thing about the internet as well it's like literally free stuff everywhere on youtube and everything did you find it hard at the beginning like did you get kind of like ah to-do list as soon as you'd sit down and try and do it yeah well I first tried my I actually learned to meditate when I was quite young because my parents were into it um and when I was having panic attacks about sort of 15 16 my parents were like you need to meditate you like pointing their finger and sort of telling me to do this and I just I wish more kids would know that's like something to do yeah yeah, yeah. but I suppose the thing is if you're told by your parents you must meditate it doesn't make it doesn't make you want to do it at all you're like no way you must do your homework and meditate shut up mum (laughs) but because I was so anxious at that time trying to kind of sit with yourself when your heart is racing is pretty impossible and actually I think meditation is it's better as a preventative kind of maintenance tool rather than something that you do in a kind of panic emergency because it's not it's not going to help so much if you're really kind of panicking in that moment. Yeah. And it sounds like then it does become a bit of a skill. Like you, you become better at it, which is cool, which is a reason to carry on with it as well. Absolutely. I tried an app once and um, it was actually a really good one because it said, like I was sitting outside and it said, if any noises come to you, um, like focus on them and, and try and find them relaxing. And this big lorry started beeping and like beeping, beeping, beeping. And I was trying to like, kind of use that noise to actually relax and it was so cool because normally you're like shut up stop (laughs) beeping and I was just there like I'm enjoying the beeping (laughs) it was amazing life changer you're a pro yeah (laughs) with having grown up having anxiety and, and obviously you talk about being younger and being a teen and now you're a young woman um along those years um what what's been helpful with your friendships and um family or relationships kind of any relationship what, what's been helpful and what, what hasn't what how can people help people who are, who are feeling really anxious yeah I think I mean I often say to to people who maybe they have their partner or something that that 
is anxious to try and educate yourself about what it's like because I've heard so much you know the sort of female clients that have boyfriends that don't really understand because women are twice as likely to suffer anxiety as men I mean our, our brains are more reactive to stress so we'll you know the fight or flight response will be triggered more easily in a woman but there's loads of reasons the way we're brought up more overprotected women are more affected by poverty more likely to suffer abuse there's loads of you know reasons like that that um, unfortunately women are more likely to be affected um, but yeah so going back to advice mm-hmm. about I think it's about just I mean I often say to people go and read some blogs online about people's experiences of anxiety and mm-hmm. know that it is so real and actually anxiety is so physical you know it's, people say oh it's just in your head and actually it feels so physical sometimes when you're s- just full of adrenaline people might be shaking and you know it's not something you can just snap out of or pull yourself together or something we wish it was that way um so educating and just trying to be there for people and understanding and listening um is really important yeah have you ever sort of taken some time off to just kind of get yourself back to feeling good or do you you say to your clients like let's try and manage this and carry on as normal I mean I'd always say to people speak to your doctor about that and they will you know there's often I don't know they give you a form called GAD GAD7 and they will know from that information that you give them they'll have criteria whereby they will sign people off Mm -hmm. so definitely you know investigate that if you think that you're getting to that point but I think I don't know I think it's about kind of looking at your priorities and thinking you know you're you're important and your mental health is important and if you're really suffering you've got to put that as your priority and you know work will understand I think that if you're anxious you're probably likely to have that kind of catastrophizing mindset where you think oh if I tell my boss this they'll fire me but realistically I mean hopefully that that wouldn't happen in in vast majority of cases and you've got to just start to put yourself first and take time off or make sure you're having breaks in the day, you know, saying no to plans or social things if you really need to just stay at home and sit on the sofa or something. Yeah. Um, things like retreats. I mean, I personally need to take myself off for retreats every now and again, yeah. and that's not everyone has got the time or ability to do that, but that's definitely helped me a lot. Yeah. And do you think people are taking it more seriously? Because I can't believe the amount of people really that I think are suffering, like who who are saying, "Oh, I feel like I can admit it now that I have anxieties." Do you think there's more people now who feel confident to say, "I'm suffering too"? Because there's books like yours out. Yeah, definitely, and I think so. People who have who have gone public on their mental health issues, I think it normalises it and makes it takes the stigma away, takes the shame away. You kind of think, you know, if that person has experienced this you know mm. I can't be you know a bad person for experiencing this it doesn't make me any less it and is nice to kind of meet someone who you know has kind of put themselves out out there in a way of like I've this has happened to me because I woke up this morning really I mean I feel fine now but it was obviously we we're recording this on election day but my heart was like I was just like oh no I'm, I'm I feel really not good mm-hmm. um and then I was like oh I'm so glad that I'm seeing Chloe today and not anyone else <laughs> because I'm just like at least I can say to you yeah I'm not feeling great today yeah whereas yeah. sometimes you just gotta like fake it really I think mm-hmm. I think yeah it's it is good to acknowledge oh I'm not feeling that great and maybe be a bit kinder to yourself that day and 
you know, don't beat yourself up for feeling the way you do. Maybe confide in a friend or yeah. talk to a friend about it. It must be good for you to be able to kind of... Before, I'm sure, you were giving out advice for you to actually, like, give someone a book now. You must just be like, read this. Like, everything's in there. Yeah, yeah. Does that feel quite quite good that you can offer that It's now? amazing, yeah, because I feel like I get a lot of emails and things asking for personal advice, and there's only so much yeah. you can give in an email, and actually, I think I've just written basically everything I know into this book, so yeah. um, it's nice to give people um, practical ideas and... Um, my experiences and that sort of thing did it feel in any way therapeutic writing it like you're writing about yourself and your life it's almost like you're looking at it quite objectively as well yeah I was thinking about this the other day I think I used to have a huge fear of networking events and I was at a networking event last night and I was completely cool and calm and everything and I was like yes it is it is possible to make progress you don't need to be stuck feeling afraid forever and also, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, people always congratulate each other on, like, work stuff. I'm like, we should congratulate each other on, um, like, smaller, more personal stuff. Taking a moment to be like, actually, a year ago I was feeling like this, I'm feeling like this now. We should have a little celebration. Uh, and the, the kind of the internal things, rather than the external goals of mm-hmm. maybe getting a promotion or... I don't know, buying a house or something, yeah. actually looking at what's the progress I've made, what have I learned, what what kind of who have I helped and who's helped me and that sort of thing is quite important to remember exactly oh thanks um lastly I just wanted to ask you what have you what are you excited about for the second part of the year or in the coming months so I'm doing a bit an online kind of program for my for my um anxiety kind of clients where it has a lot of videos and kind of meditations and recordings and that sort of thing and then I'm going to be focusing on doing lots of workshops and talks and meeting people and that sort of thing. Oh, that's so good. So needed. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.